what I, I think these these advisors miss is is I think sometimes they get caught up in a trap. They're trying to impress one another. It becomes kind of this bro culture, and the women participate in it too. So I mean that gender neutral, if that's possible. But it's this chest beating. It's look at me. It's I, I think a a a misspent energy. Um, that, that they take out there in, in a very passionate way. And, and I, what, what just strikes me is, do you not realize that your clients are watching? And when you get out there and some of this behavior and the tone and the attacks are just so over the top, I, I, I question, would, would you be comfortable if you were an advisor going out looking for an attorney and you found an attorney online just acting a fool like we see so often, would you be comfortable with them representing your best interests? And I don't think that a lot of advisors realize the damage they do to their own brand in an attempt to make those statements. As well-intentioned as they are, it's the execution and the hypocrisy and the falling short of the real conversations that need to take place that I find so frustrating. Welcome to the Rockstars Rocking Podcast. Powered by Voluntary Disruption, a show dedicated to people who are crushing their business and life goals. These are bite-sized conversations with leading rock stars in their respective industry who are pumped to share their story to help drive you to the next level. So, are you ready to rock? Speaking of rock stars, here's your host, Eric Silverman. Hey, rock stars! Welcome back to another episode of Rock Stars Rockin', and boy, do I have a rock star ready to rock today! Everybody, meet my good friend Kevin Trokey. For those that don't know Kevin, Kevin is the founding partner of Q4 Intelligence. But what I like best is his alter ego, the title that he uses in his LinkedIn bio: the insurance industry antagonist. Welcome, my friend, the antagonist himself, Kevin Trokey. Uh, thanks, Eric. Thrilled to be with you guys today. Oh, man, I'm super fired up, super pumped to have you. Let's dig right in, Kevin. Talk about that. Why, why do you have that on your title, the insurance industry uh, antagonist? Come on, man. What's up with that? Well, well in fairness to me, Eric, you've got to finish that. It's the insurance industry antagonist and champion rolled in one. And really, that's the way that I look at it. I, uh, I mean, I love this industry. It's an absolutely amazing industry. An accidental industry, very few people get here on purpose, but man, it's just a, a very special way to go about uh, developing a career. And, you know, the, the champion side of it, there, there's nobody that believes in the impact and the power that this industry is able to make. But I also, it's just kind of my style, kind of blunt, call it the way it is. And there's a lot of us in the industry, we get shit along the way. And, uh, you know, that's just sort of the antagonist. And I've been told that, that maybe a more accurate description would be protagonist, but it's just calling out what we see, the things that we do to get in our way, um, you know, these, these ideas that we carry along, the myths that we perpetuate. And really with the antagonist, it's just pointing those out, making people, you know, face themselves in the mirror, be honest with what they do well, what holds them back and overcome it. So antagonism, protagonism, call it what you may, we do it out of love, we do it because we believe so strongly in this industry and the impact that they're able to make. 
I, I, I agree. And, you know, speaking of, um, and I, by the way, I think the word antagonist is better than uh, protagonist. I think that's I, I, you notice I've not changed it, even with the, uh, even with the suggestion. I didn't know you had those suggestions, but no, I agree with you. Keep it where it is. Speaking of antagonists, let's go the opposite direction, right? Sure. So there's a lot of um, uh, uh, professionals in our industry, the insurance employee benefits industry, that uh, pride themselves on being an antagonist. But the difference is I don't believe that they truly understand the uh, champion all wrapped up in one side of it. So I'm glad you uh, changed what I introduced you as and, and finished that sentence because there's so, there's so many uh, advice and brokers and, and consultants out there that really just push the buttons of, um, uh, call it as we see it, insurance carriers and, and, uh, and vendors and TPAs to the point where it's just so relentless. And to me, it just gets exhausting, like easy, easy tiger. Uh, what's your thought on that? Because they're uh, certainly antagonizing. We could do a whole session on this one question alone, Eric. It's a, it's a pet peeve of mine. I, I, you know, I know a lot of the people that you know, could be categorized as, as living, residing in that camp. And I know most of them come from a point of being very well-intentioned, but I, I think that those, I think the execution falls short and I think it is so damaging in so many ways. Uh, it damages the industry. And, and believe me, I will be the first one to participate in the conversation that the system is broken. The system needs to be fixed. There's any number of places that you can look and say, right there as part of the problem. But I also don't know that there's any part of the industry that you can point at and say they've got it exactly right. They're completely altruistic in what they do. So I think, you know, so often those, those folks that stand there, they'll stand on the, they'll stand in their bully pulpit, stand on their soapbox, call it what you want, and they will, you know, let's just start with where we see it most often, and that, that is advisors uh, out there attacking the carriers, attacking the bukas specifically. And they're not necessarily wrong with what they attack, but there's so much hypocrisy that I see in the way they attack. They attack them for, for lack of transparency, um, yet I will tell you that, you know, most of those brokers still have clients who don't know how much they're being paid. Now, of course, that's going to change over time, should have changed a long time ago, but there's a lot of hypocrisy. They will get on there and they, they, they just perpetuate, and I know it's mostly on LinkedIn, but this Instagram effect. They will, they will talk about the one solution they put in place, and they will talk about how you should only be do, doing value-based insurance design, self-funding, and the implication is they don't have any fully funded accounts on the books. And most of the time, that's just not accurate. So there, there's all the hypocrisy aside. There, there's very few things that I respect less in life than a hypocrite, but it, that, that puts that right there at the top. But it also, I, I think that approach keeps us from having the healthier conversations that, that need to take place. Um, and I think those advisors, as well-intentioned as they might be with those messages, they don't realize how damaging that approach if carried out in a very literal sense would be to the employers they're looking to help. If you go to an employer and the right strategy is for them to be self-funded, to bring in the creative new solutions, most of the time, Eric, it takes time to get somebody there. And if you are absolutely cutting yourself off from the path that gets there, then you're stranded on the other side of a bridge from your clients. So, you know, yes, I, I think call out abuse 
where it exists, call out what, you know, anything that is wrong needs to be called out, but for the purpose of a healthy dialogue. And what I, I think these, these advisors miss is, is I think sometimes they get caught up in a trap. They're trying to impress one another. It becomes kind of this bro culture and the women participate in it too. So I mean that gender neutral, if that's possible, but it's this chest beating. It's look at me. It's, I, I think a, a, a misspent energy um, that, that they take out there in, in a very passionate way. And, and I, what, what just strikes me is, do you not realize that your clients are watching? And when you get out there and some of this behavior and the tone and the attacks are just so over the top, I, I, I question, would, would you be comfortable if you were an advisor going out looking for an attorney and you found an attorney online just acting a fool like we see so often, would you be comfortable with them representing your best interests? And I don't think that a lot of advisors realize the damage they do to their own brand in an attempt to make those statements. As well-intentioned as they are, it's the execution and the hypocrisy and the falling short of the real conversations that need to take place that I find so frustrating. You know, I really like what you said, um, how most of them, uh, maybe even all of them who do it are trying to do it because they're well-intentioned. I like that term. Um, I really like how you said that it that in, in, in all reality, it should spark or hopefully spark a healthy, uh, a healthy dialogue. Uh, but too often what I see, and maybe you see the same, is that the conversation uh, on social media, whatever the platform, yes, a lot of times mostly uh, LinkedIn, but in general, it doesn't lead uh, to a healthy conversation or a dialogue. A lot of times it leads to, you know, b the basic uh, sad reality of I'm right, you're wrong, and that's it. And that's just the, the way people take it. Well, and, and you're right. And, and what it's also led to is loss of appointments. I mean, just oh, yeah. flat out. I mean, and, and I've seen it from advisors who were the ones specifically making the attacks. And I've seen it happen to other advisors who just kind of became collateral damage because the perception was there associated a little too closely. And I think even from just a, a self-serving perspective as an advisor to lose that appointment, if they don't think I mean, as much as the Bukas may or may not have it wrong right now to think that they won't get it right, I think it's a little naive. You know, the, the last time that I, I checked, it's better to have less profit than it is to be out of business. And yeah, they might, you know, be, they might be making ridiculous margins now, ridiculous profits now. I wouldn't even try to argue that. But to think that they're not going to get it figured out and put some solutions in place that we're seeing outside of that fully insured market, I think that would be a fool's bet. So, so let me go back backwards for a minute. So um, not everybody uh, that listens to Rockstars Rockin' is in the insurance or employee benefits space. So let's unpack a little bit here, sure. not as far as explaining insurance, because I don't want people to hang up the uh, podcast. <laughs> but let me, let me, let's break it down a little bit for folks, just in general, sales, marketing, leadership, management, branding, you just mentioned branding. Like how can, uh, if you were advising somebody on uh, sales and branding and, and marketing, which you're an expert at and a guru, we're going to talk about that, I hope. But somebody who's not in insurance and, 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 and benefits, how can they take this same message to uh, make sure they don't have the same challenges happen to them, i.e., uh, be careful who you're bashing, be careful who's watching, understand your audience, et cetera, et cetera? 
Well, that's a wow. That, that's a big question, Eric. And and I think it, it can be as basic as just you know what, be a good person, be respectful, don't be anybody's doormat. You know, be comfortable enough to have uncomfortable conversations for the purpose of getting to a more desirable outcome. And I think if we just take that approach, we're good. And and, and here's where a, a part of my, my problem with this is if you don't know the other side, most of the time we don't know the other side well enough to really be able to speak with complete um accuracy with 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 really being able to have a complete conversation and that becomes readily apparent in in a lot of these online attacks and you know these debates arguments that go back and forth and and i think you know it, it always starts with before you attack somebody else have you really been honest with yourself about yourself you know, and, and as I think of the way you operate as a business, is there anything about the way that you operate that you wouldn't be comfortable in with, you know, and to use the buzzword with complete transparency? You know, I, I, I see these advisors, they go out and they will, you know, post EOBs and they will post all of this stuff. But it's like, how comfortable would they be if their clients went out and posted the 5,500 over how much they got paid? And You know, I think it's when we all get to the point that we're transparent, then that's when we can start to focus in on where the real issues lie and we can start to come up with solutions that are sustainable and genuinely make sense in the bigger picture. Yeah, I um, you know what it reminds me of what you just talked about, um, being honest with yourself. Uh, it reminds me of that, and I'll butcher it, I'm sure, but it reminds me of that example where folks are like, um, you know, the saying of, you know, uh, be careful before you start throwing stones because you may very much live in a glass house and you're not fully readily able to admit that to yourself, i.e. you're not looking in the mirror to examine and self-examine not only internally uh, as a, as a professional, as a human being, but well, moreover in our case, in the insurance business, your book of business to really understand and realize, are you just saying it to be popular, to be cool? Is it your ego talking? Uh, Which a lot of times it may be, as you said, the bro club. Uh, Yes. Women are involved too. Um, Or is it really, uh, is it really genuine? And unfortunately, I don't know that it's always genuine. Well, here, here, and this is just, I still cringe when I think of this conversation. It was a conversation I had with um, an industry professional. And this uh, industry professional came to me and said, I am completely going after this whole transparency conversation, talking about compensation, and I'm going into prospects, and I'm challenging them. Do you know how much you're, you're, you're paying your broker? And really just tearing into that. And I said, you know, I completely support that. I've, I've been promoting transparency and compensation disclosure for 15 years, literally. And I said, what I really am curious about is, you know, now that you have this passion for this transparency and have this conversation, how have your own clients responded to that conversation? Have they found that, you know, empowering and enlightening and, and are they appreciating it? And Eric, I swear, just as sure as I'm sitting here having this conversation, the response back was, I'm not having those conversations with my clients yet, but as soon as I build a big enough book of business on that premise, then I will be more comfortable going back and having it with those I already work with. Are you kidding me? 
You know, that kind of leads me to this question. So have you had this? Um, and those who don't know, um, Kevin, just to give you a kind, of, a kind of a refresher or a reminder or to let you know, Kevin coaches high-performing uh, insurance and employee benefit uh, advisors, executives, agency owners, uh, CEOs, et cetera, uh, sales producers, and so forth. And um, most all, in my opinion, because I've been following him for years, well before we ever met, um, most all of the content and information he shares and the training he gives, he and his partner, Wendy, is incredible. Um, it's not just insurance benefits related. Like in general, it's just, uh, and I love how he says it, just get shit done. Just get out there and, and do the work. And, um, you know, I have seen more often than not, unfortunately, a lot of, maybe it's younger producers, but I've seen a lot of producers in the employee benefits world who are so drinking that proverbial Kool-Aid. They're so gung-ho on, on all the innovation that they, um, that they lose sight of the fact that they have to be in business to help their existing clients, let alone uh, themselves to feed their family. And I guess my point is, and my question to you is, have you seen, because I've seen it, have you seen any advisors um, just turning down small mid-sized groups because the groups refuse to go self-funding or do anything innovative. I've seen that. And yet I see these same advisors who are saying to me, oh man, it's been a rough few months. I uh, haven't brought in any new business. My point is they're turning away business as opposed to taking the business, helping that customer, that client, meeting them where they're at. And then ultimately over time, allowing them to see the benefit of some innovation. But the reality is they're just walking away from it and it blows my mind. I could not agree more. And not only does it blow my mind, it pisses me off. It, 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 it makes me angry because these advisors, they will sit there and you know, they, they walk off just as you described in you know, kind of this, um, with this, this arrogance and this holier than thou attitude that they take away. And my, my challenge back when I hear those stories, Eric, is so you're telling me that they are better off working with your competition who doesn't promote these ideas than they are working with you to nurture them towards them. Bingo. And I say, how long did it take you to become comfortable with the ideas that you're promoting? Oh, my God. You know, a year and a half, two years, five years, my whole career it's taken me to get here. I said. And then I'll say, okay, so you see the value in it. Absolutely. I believe everybody should be doing that. But it took you, a professional in this industry, years to get to the point that you're comfortable, that you believe in it, that you see it. Why don't you give your clients, your prospects, at least a little bit of, of, of time to become comfortable with? Because when you take that idea to your client, do you realize what they're hearing? They're, they're hearing you promote something that sounds too good to be true because you're telling them, I'm going to improve your benefits and reduce your cost. And while that might be a, a very accurate and true statement, think of that from the perspective of the buyer. It doesn't make sense and it's not consistent with everything they've experienced from our industry up to that point. And you're showing up as a rather unknown commodity in an industry that is right at, like, I don't know if we're at the top or the bottom, whichever way you would look at it, of the least trusted industries out there. So you're, you, you, you don't have trust, you don't have familiarity, you're bringing an idea that sounds too good to be true, and it's a little complex and requires more management than they have, and you expect them to get there at one recommendation, and if they don't, you're going to walk away. 
and you want to call yourself a trusted advisor, you know, that's where the whole marketing comes in. And, you know, I, I hope we get to go in the direction of marketing or lack of marketing in this industry, but you cannot expect people to show up to, to buy into a solution just because you believe in it, because you understand it. If you don't take the time to educate be sympathetic, empathetic with, with their anxiety and their concern and show them a path that will get there. Going back to our previous conversation, if you blow up the Buka bridge that might be necessary to go across on your way to, to those solutions, how are you ever going to best serve the needs of your clients? And to me, that's the bottom line responsibility of an advisor to do what is necessary with, you know, within all of the appropriate boundaries, but do what is necessary to get your clients where they want and need to be and be comfortable that with where they're willing to go may not be as far as you want to take them. Listen, but that listen, should be your job is to take them as far as you can get them. Spot on. And, and, and what you said early on is exactly what I've said to advisors say that I say, so they're better off with your competitor. You know, you're turning down, it doesn't matter, a 25-man company because they're too small for you or they're not interested in trying to be creative and innovative. Somebody else is going to give them advice, advice that, frankly, you would say is not good advice. So what is it, wouldn't it be better to still have you? I mean, they, somebody's going to get paid. Let's just be honest. Somebody's going to be the broker of record. Somebody's going to make a commission on that. Why not let it be you? And then as they grow and as you build the relationship, you can slowly but surely build their comfort zone. I mean, the reality is you're right. Right now, all these prospects and clients, they're driving a used Chevy and they're paying way too much for it and it's broken down. Yeah. But the reality is you're trying to tell them that overnight, snap your fingers, they can have a brand new top of the line Lexus and it's less per month than their used Chevy. It's just too good to be true in their mind. And frankly, the, the human nature is if it's too good to be true, it usually is. In this case, we both know that they can have that Lexus and it can be more affordable than that used Chevy, no doubt. but they're not there yet. They're not ready. They're not even close. And you cannot fault that prospect or that client from being skeptical. Right. I would be. I mean, with, with the lack I would of be knowledge too. and understanding that the typical prospect and client has about how this industry really works, I, I would be more concerned about the one that jumped on it in a heartbeat because I don't think they're prepared for what it really takes to get the benefits out of the effort we're asking them to make. So let's let's switch gears. I do, absolutely. You said it a few minutes ago. I want to get into uh, marketing and um, the lack of, uh, of consistent marketing in our industry, and, in my opinion, and certainly the lack of creativity when it comes to marketing and branding. They kind of go together. Um, can you speak toward that in any capacity? And you can take this in any direction you want, my friend. Yeah, well, let me go back... I guess step back to, and you did a, you gave a great explanation of, of what we at Q4I do. We, we work with, with agencies all over the country, really anything that has to do with business development. Uh, our value proposition is, as we describe it, Eric, is to help our clients put more of the right opportunities in the pipeline, move those opportunities to close at a more consistent pace, and then run a more efficient agency organization around the resulting clients. And we do that. We, we've been doing that for 12 years at this point, And we do it through a very hands-on coaching, primarily around a sales process. I mean, we work with leadership development and team development and solution utilization and 
you know, everything that goes into it, but it comes back to the sales process. And what we recognized about four years ago is that we can do a very, very good job around helping agency owners and, you know, and, and it's not just agencies that we work with. It's really anything within the, in, any business within the industry, but to plan more effectively and to have a more effective sales process. But what we recognized about four and a half years ago was the missing element for most agencies, most businesses in this industry was marketing. And as confident as we are in our ability to address the, the sales process side of it, the marketing is a different beast. It's just a different animal. And most businesses in the industry, they just don't, they don't have the bandwidth, they don't have the experience, they don't have the patience to really get out there and embrace marketing. So we launched a separate division specific to marketing. Um, and you know, you, you could think of what we do as being anything from outsourced content to full-blown outsourced marketing uh, division agency. I mean, we're a full-blown marketing agency in that regard. But the reason that we launched it, not just because of the opportunity that it presented to us, but uh, as the industry evolves and the industry is changing, marketing is one of those things that they've just not done in the past. You know, they, they've been so focused on spreadsheet and capabilities presentation to sell. But now as these new complex ideas come into play, as these new solutions are available, as ACA kicks in, as there's more compliance requirements, as technology solutions become more complicated, you know, our, our perspective on this is you have to recognize that marketing is not an optional activity. Marketing is not a project to be checked off a list. Marketing is a critical daily function of running a successful growth business. And marketing, if it's anything, it's now the very tangible first step of the sales process. If you want to get the attention of a prospect, if you want to be able to have those sales opportunities, marketing is just not optional. And the, the, the reason so many agencies fall, fail at it, Eric, is just the lack of patience. Wendy and I, when, when we started 12 years ago, before we had the marketing division, we would do lots of blogging. We were way more active on Twitter than back then than um, LinkedIn. And we used to just produce content and content and content. And, and our standing joke was, all right, I wrote a blog. I'm going to go push it into the black hole. And that's what it felt like. It, it, you know, that's what marketing feels like. You put all this out there and, and, and you get very little tangible feedback, especially from the market you're looking for. And I think that's what feeds this, the bro mentality that we referred to and, and appealing because, you know, you get that endorphin rush of the like or the share or the comment or whatever, but that doesn't mean that it's effectively building a brand. It doesn't mean that it's effectively marketing who you are. Marketing, I always say, if you, if you replace the word marketing with education, you're on the right track. And that's what is really needs to be the, the focus of, of building a market, building a brand, building a presence that appeals to the employers out there is understanding their challenges, understanding their needs, and being able and willing to speak to those in a very educational manner, almost in an altruistic fashion. And what I mean by that is if you just educate and you give away idea, you give away advice, um, 
that's really, I think, when you start to get the attention of the people who are ultimately going to come to you for help in the execution of those ideas. I, um, I, I've been, uh, my, my former life, I'm a recovering carrier rep, as you know, I, w- I, had, I hired and trained thousands of salespeople. Uh, green as can be, very few with insurance or prospecting uh, background, let alone marketing background, um, and uh, mostly didn't even have sales background. And, you know, I had the, the fortune of, um, of training some good people that are still in the employee benefits industry today, and they're, they're absolute rock stars. But more often than not, uh, we would have situations where somebody would prospect and market and build and, and book appointments and cold call and do whatever they had to do to get appointments with their uh, respective target audience. And they would do that relentlessly. And that's a good thing. They would fill up that pipeline. You know where I'm going with this. They would get so busy um, running appointments back when you would drive to appointments before the year 2020, right? And they would run and run and run and they'd close deal after deal and they're making tons and they're getting the high fives and the endorphins are rushing. They're winning awards. And then it stops. Literally, they, they crash into a brick wall. Um, and they don't know why. And I would go back and say, well, you stop doing the most important thing, which is what got you there in the first place. And we all know that's the constant, uh, relentless effort of prospecting and marketing and, and putting it in your schedule and honoring thy schedule. I always say the 11th commandment is honor thy schedule. Put it oh, in your schedule Amen, and honor it. Um, do you hear that a lot still to this day, sadly? Oh, yeah. And, and we deal with it, you know, even with existing marketing clients, they have this, this misconception that marketing automatically, you know, if I post this blog tomorrow, I'm going to have three people calling me the day after. It, it doesn't work that way. And I always, right. you know, what we always promote is you got to put, think of prospecting and marketing as extremes on the same dial. Prospecting are the activities that you do that tend to be one-on-one outreach that can put an opportunity in the pipeline today if you do it really, really well. Marketing is a one-to-many approach that is what keeps the pipeline healthy over a longer period of time. And if you look at where your pipeline is, you can figure out where to turn that dial. If, if the pipeline is getting a little dry, you turn the dial over to prospecting activities. If the, the pipeline's pretty healthy, you dial it back to, to the marketing side so that you maintain it. And that's the, the thing with marketing is it will bring, if you do it well and you do it with the buyer in mind and you understand their challenges and you can speak to them and you can educate them, they will start coming to you. We'll, we'll be talking to a a marketing prospect and we'll say you know over time done consistently done effectively prospects will start coming and asking you for the opportunity to speak with you and they will say well you know that sounds great but i don't believe that at all and i will look at him and I'll, eric and i'll say all right who asked for this conversation today and the look of recognition on their face is like holy crap because and I will knock on wood as I say this, because of our relentless marketing efforts, maybe with one or two exceptions over the past seven years, every client we have on our coaching on our marketing side came to us as a result of that relentless marketing. Now, we're very fortunate and we, you know, produce a lot of content. Um, well, it's drip marketing, right? It it's just it's marketing. Chinese water torture in well, a good way. And, and even, even if people aren't reaching out to you and asking what do you think the, the likelihood of somebody being exposed to that kind of drip marketing educational campaign that makes them feel like you're in their head? How are they going to respond when one of your producers picks up the phone and calls them? 
And now all of a sudden you've already proven yourself. They've gotten value. They trust you. They're familiar with you. Of course, they're going to be much more likely to take the meeting. And we always tell, we always tell agency owners, you would never show up and not think of servicing your existing clients. You would never show up and not have somewhere in your mind of selling a new client. Sales and service are just the two mantras that this industry goes by, but yet they don't think of how critical marketing is to, to that element. And until they get their head around, as we talk about the four pillars of running an effective, to your point earlier, not just a, an agency, not just an insurance industry business, but any business. If you don't recognize the four pillars of marketing, sales, service, and leadership as having to address those intentionally and effectively, you will never have the growth business that you want. It, it, it's, it's so true. And, um, you know, I, I can't say I'm happy to hear that it's still happening because I'm not. But what I am happy to hear is that it's not just me and that it wasn't just me back then. Like, uh, you know, I, I was I was as a manager paid to help coach and guide and mentor and get people into production. And uh, I feel like I did a good job with it. But the reality is it was a constant struggle. Uh, everything you just talked about. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, and I'm going to put you on the hot seat here. Uh, if you don't mind, this is not uh, scripted. Not. Kevin has no idea. I'm going to ask this question. Uh, so take a second if you need to think about it. But Kevin, for those folks listening today, uh, whether insurance or benefits people or not, it doesn't matter to me. What are a few tangible uh, marketing prospecting tips or um, uh, takeaways, tips, guides, uh, reference points, something you can share with them? Maybe it's a good book they should read. Maybe it's a podcast they should listen to other than Rockstars Rockin'. What's some uh, few tips that you could give somebody that they could put into action right away? Well, mind the goodwill that you have already created. We are both huge fans and, dare I say, friends with Bob Berg. And if you've not read, you know, his Go-Giver series, that, that's, that's the first recommendation that we always make. Uh, I talk to salespeople all the time, Eric, and their number one challenge is almost always, you know, an empty pipeline. Uh, and then, you know, I'll always go to, well, you know, how often are you going to existing clients and asking them for referrals and introductions? Very rarely do they, and when they do, they're not they're not getting them. So I, I I won't I won't eat our time up here explaining the the exercise that we go through. But there are so many opportunities that are just sitting there that you've already earned, and, and that's where you've got to get to this mental, not arrogance, but you've got to you've got to be confident enough in the value that you've already delivered to ask those people that you've proven yourself to, to borrow a little bit of their credibility and influence and introduce you to others. And that alone, if I, I say all the time, if, if I could print off, if I could photocopy your pipeline of prospects and I held both copies up and I told you this one is gonna produce five to seven times the revenue that this one, that doesn't initially make sense because it's a photocopy. But if I told you, the reason is because you're getting in front of them from a, a referral or an introduction as opposed to a cold call, that's what will generate five to seven times the revenue. So it's not just about the easiest way to get in front of somebody. It's about the highest likelihood of converting them to a client once you're in front of them. So that far and away is where I go. The next area in terms of prospecting would be to manage centers of influence. 
you know, a center of influence, people say, oh, yeah, I've got these great, this great network. And uh, when you get right down to it, it's a drinking buddy, it's a lunch buddy, it's a, a breakfast buddy. They're not managing that professional relationship to get the impact and the, potent, the results out of it that is potentially there. Managing that as a relationship. But then back to the marketing side, it's a lot of freaking hard work. And what I mean by hard work is you've got to study, you've got to read, you've got to get out there and get in the head of your buyers. You have to get in the business of their of your buyers. You have to understand their challenge. You have to understand their needs. You have to understand the problems that they need to solve. And you need to study and prepare yourself to be able to discuss them, to offer solutions, and to take them down a path from maybe not even being aware of the problem to becoming aware of the problem, to understanding the impact that it's having on their business, and then start building their confidence by showing them the path to a solution and better results. And there is nothing, you can't make marketing as a whole easy. I, I don't care. You can, you can write a check, but if you don't participate in your own marketing efforts, if you don't understand those issues, you're going to drop the ball as soon as you're sitting in front of that prospect as a salesperson. So the effort that you put into marketing, it's going to make you, not only is it going to put more opportunities in your pipeline, you're going to have better sales conversations when you're in front of them because of that knowledge, because you don't show up passionate and fired up to talk about your new solution, your new product, your, your new idea. You show up curious. You show up trying to figure out what do they need. And the conversation switches from being about you to being about them. And then if you think that that doesn't lead to a more impactful client experience when you've gone through that discovery and you've approached the sales process, not as a way to help you sell, but as a way to help buyers make better buying decision, it's going to lead to a better client experience. They're going to get better results. And guess what happens when your clients have a more impactful client experience? They become promoters. They talk on your behalf. They help to amplify your marketing voice. They make those referrals and introductions. It, it becomes that flywheel that starts churning and starts to create genuine growth businesses. 100%. 100%. I love what you say, basically become a student of the industry. You know, when I was in the carrier world, I only knew my stuff. And that's all I cared about. And it worked for me. And when I uh, went out completely 100% organic, independent and agnostic, um, I doubled down by far and away, I quadrupled down and then some and I learned everything there is to know about selling uh, employee benefits and health insurance stuff that in a million years, I have no interest in selling that I still to this day have never sold self funding, you name it. And um, boy, am I glad I did. And, and you know, there's always the saying, well, I know enough to be dangerous. I didn't even know enough to be dangerous years ago. Now I know enough where I could I I've never done it, but I feel like I know enough where I could go give it a shot and have some success. But I wanted to be able to carry a, a, a professional conversation with my clients and partners and prospects and brokers and employer groups to the point that um, they were, dare I even say, impressed. Like you need to know more than, than you think you know would be something I always advise people. And I'm shocked how many advisors and brokers I talk to who I believe truly they don't even know as much as I do. And I don't do it for a living. Well, yeah. A amen to all of that. And, and the thing is, is, you know, when, it, when it comes to what did they need to learn, it's right in front of them. Way too many in this industry, they still go out, they show up at renewal time, they compete with a spreadsheet and a capabilities presentation. And 
you know, what, what we point out to them all, all the time, Eric, is could you imagine showing up and meeting a prospect for the first time and delivering an insurance proposal, making a specific insurance recommendation? Of course not. You know, you can't make the right insurance recommendation until you have a conversation with them. You know, what are they trying to accomplish? What does their current situation look like? How risk averse, risk tolerant? And with that level of conversation and focus on the insurance part of their business, you can start to make the right recommendation. Yet they will follow up with that spreadsheet, Eric, with the capabilities and they'll go through and they say, oh, we've got compliance, we have HR resources, we have technology, we have all this great stuff we give away. And they don't recognize that that is just as inane and it's very parallel to showing up with an insurance proposal because now all of a sudden you're pointing at solutions to problems that you don't even know exist. And if advisors would just take the time to recognize, we don't, we don't like you know the capabilities presentation. It's, it's that collection of value-added services. But anybody that reads our stuff, follows our stuff, knows we don't like the term value-added services. We prefer to use the term non-insurance solutions. Because for an advisor to do the job their clients need them to do, they have to address insurance needs with insurance solutions, non-insurance needs with non-insurance solutions. And every non-insurance solution they have satisfies some non-insurance problem. And there's some non-insurance part of that prospect or client's business that's going to suffer if that need exists and isn't properly addressed. And if you do nothing more than slow down to have a conversation about every part of the business that you can impact for a client. So compliance, technology, communication, employee education, uh, employee engagement, the list goes on. To have a conversation about what does their current situation look like? Where do they have needs? Where are they being held back? Now, when you introduce that same solution that was in your capabilities presentation, it's much more compelling it's seen as much more valuable because they know why you're showing it to them now, because it addresses a specific need that together you helped identify. The problem is most advisors will go out and they will accumulate all of these non-insurance solutions, put together a, a slick presentation, but not take the time to understand the power of that solution, the problem they can solve, the, the operational or financial impact they can make with that solution. They don't take the time to figure out if it's needed. So it's not rocket science. The answer to the problem that the, the most of them, it's not rocket science. It's as simple as it gets, but it all comes with some hard work and commitment. It's not rocket surgery or brain science. I get it. <laughs> exactly um, right. the, uh, we're starting to run out of time. I want to unpack two quick things. One, speaking of that, I got I to gotta ask this. What Do you believe that... Um, really salespeople in general, because it's not insurance, Kevin, it's not, it's not benefits related. Do you think salespeople in general um, and, and folks that are prospecting, are they devaluing themselves and all they bring to the table if they sell mainly and only on the value adds and the free this and the free that? I mean, I'm a big believer that there's nothing free. It's going to end up being paid somewhere at some point on the, uh, on the flip side. What do you think? Couldn't agree more. One of our, our, our go-to isms, Q4I isms is your clients don't expect free. They expect great results. And Boom, giving, I like it. Giving away something free rarely produces results. People will pay a premium. It, people will, not only will they not expect it for free, they will actually pay a premium when they know the results that are going to follow. 
So they are completely undervaluing. They are bringing themselves down to the that commodity basement when they show up with free stuff and focused on the product. Prospects don't want to discuss your product. No, how, no matter how sexy and excited you think it is, the only thing a prospect is interested in discussing is the problem they may have that may eventually lead to a discussion of that product. What I've seen, and maybe you've seen it too, and we'll move on here, but I've seen that folks um, can win business on value ads, or as you said, insurance solutions, um, and non-insurance solutions, but it's short term and huh. that prospect becomes a client and a year later they're gone because some other broker knocks on the door and the employer says oh a puppy i.e shiny object syndrome and they say oh well this guy's going to give me this for free and that for free is that really what you're looking for as a sales professional in any industry you're looking for a quick short-term hit and then you got to start over from scratch or are you looking to build a relationship that lasts for a long time where they're a client for years and years to come to me that's where it comes in. Couldn't agree more. You will lose every client the same way you got. Exactly. Win on price, lose on price. The reason is, is the way you compete for the business, you're training that buyer how to hire your replacement. And, and I, it just boggles my mind that somebody will go out and they will compete with that spreadsheet and capabilities and they'll say, oh, well, we compete on price, but we retain on service. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't buy that for, for a moment. And then they're insulted when at the next renewal, three more brokers are invited. And like, you taught the buyer to do that. That's how you got the business in the first place. Get off your high horse and change the way you compete for business. It's true. That's true. All right, man. Well, look, as we wrap up, I want to talk, I can't help but talk about, you have a big event coming up, uh, but it's not just a once uh, in a lifetime opportunity. Uh, to me, it is. But uh, you do this annually, or you may even do it biannually. I'm not sure. Maybe you can elaborate. But the event is called Q4 Live. Uh, it's an in-person event uh, now that we're back to uh, somewhat uh, uh, normalized in some capacity. And it's coming up uh, in August. Can you tell us more details why advisors and producers and brokers should want to attend and solution providers should want to uh, be a part of this. Um, and, you know, in perpetuity, you've been doing it for years now. So if somebody's listening yeah. to this five years from now, I suspect Kevin and Wendy are still doing it. Yeah. And, and the, it, it's a little interesting on the frequency. We, we're a little unorthodox in the, the frequency of the event. Historically, it's been every nine months. And, and the reason is just as simple as when we started out doing two events like that a year felt a little overwhelming. One didn't seem like enough because if somebody has to miss one, then all of a sudden they've been gone for two years. So we split the difference and, and it's worked. Uh, the reason that we believe anybody should come and sit in that room is because they want to sit in the room with a room full of industry professionals. And it doesn't matter when, if, if on the outside of the door coming in, if you're a vendor, we actually, we, we, we prefer the term friender. We don't think vendor serves it respectfully enough. So if you're a friender, but if you're on that solution provider, if you are an agency, everybody walks in the room and it's an equal playing field. Everybody is expected to come in, participate in the conversations, um, offer their successes, offer their challenges. And the great feedback that we get, Eric, that it just, you know, it's so satisfying every, every time that, that we hear it is that everybody showed up and not only did they show up and, and not beat on their chest and brag and you give you that Instagram moment, 
almost to the other extreme. People show up and they're completely vulnerable. They're completely open with the challenges and the struggles they've had. And they're not shy about sharing the, the success that that led them to. But the constant feedback that we get is it's a room full of equals that are there, not just to make themselves better, but to do what they can to make everybody else in the room a little bit better, a little bit stronger. And, um, you know, we, we, we get that kind of feedback regularly. So, you know, we, we, we can only take credit for organizing it. It's all the people that come in the room with that attitude and that willingness to open up that makes it the special event we believe it is. So uh, I had the, um, the good fortune of being invited. I appreciate you and Wendy inviting me in, gosh, it seems like forever ago, uh, January of 2020, uh, one of my last few conferences before the shutdown, and uh, I was in Tampa. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is they rotate it. They move it around the country. Uh, it was in Tampa in 2020. 2021 is going to be in the uh, greater in Seattle, in uh, Washington State. Uh, and I, if I'm a betting man, the next one in 2022 will be somewhere in the Midwest or the uh, or the East, because I love how you move it around. And uh, what I liked about it when I was there, it was my first time ever, and I, I plan to go again, is that you're right. I mean, everybody, you had some ridiculous top, top producing high performers there, but everybody checked their ego at the door. Nobody cared who you were or what your resume was. When you walked in and you sat down, everybody was just a sponge learning from everybody else. And yeah. um, there's very few industry events I see that at, if any, quite frankly. Well, thank you for that. that again, it, it's humbling and it's something, it's a source of great pride that we're able to be part of, of an event like that. And, and if anybody's curious, the specific dates in Seattle are August 30th, Monday, Tuesday, the 31st, and then we wrap up uh, the morning of September 1st. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, listen, Kevin, um, how can everybody uh, reach you? Can you, uh, I mean, I'm going to have it in the show notes, but uh, for those listening, tell us how to reach you and or your partner, Wendy. Yeah, well, find either of us on LinkedIn. So just search us by name. So Wendy's last name is Kniep, K-E-N-E-I-P-P. Uh, Kevin Trokey. So you'll find us easy on LinkedIn or just come through the website, q4intel.com. Come through there. You obviously find the contact page where we're not difficult to find. Salespeople do not hide their contact information. <laughs> and at the end of the day, we're all in the sales professional world. Uh, so Kevin, I appreciate it. Listen, I just show up and hit record. You were kind enough to come in, but uh, I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for my back office and all the editors and all the people that helped me produce this because um, I don't do anything but hit record. So for everybody behind the scenes at the Rockstars Rockin' Podcast, I'm Eric Silverman. That's Kevin Trokey. And we appreciate you watching, listening, wherever you are consuming podcasts podcast. Until next week, thanks everybody and make it a great day. Thanks. thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Rockstars Rocking Podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. Five stars would totally rock. Until next time, Rockstars, keep rocking.